Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. That's bit good. A, bit of a crazy week, but overall, just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's it's weird. I think we recorded on Mondays for the last little while, but today's Monday is feeling especially weird, I think, because we were planning to go back to Sunday, and then, man, I don't know, schedules, <laughs> you throw me off by one day, no, and my just, mind just goes, Just Ooh. admit it, you know, it was my fault. I was a little slow on remembering to get into, well, no, work was crazy, but so I didn't get Chapter 11 of Game Club done before today. So we postponed today. It's true, but I am going to do the Canadian thing and say I was super tired. It's just been it's been a busy, busy time, but I'm happy to uh, to be recording because we've got lots to talk about. It may not seem like we have lots to talk about, but a lot has happened in the last week. A lot of stuff's been queued up. However, as always, we're going to start with the banners. We've got the weekly revival banner nine running right now. The start of it all, which is a special heroes revival banner going into the fourth. Legendary Sigurd going until the 6th, Shamir and Catherine, and I don't know why they did this, but Flane, I'm going to shout out Flane as well as on that banner, going until the 7th. Well, the Bound Hero Battle banner, why Flane was the third one chosen, because she's from the game, I guess, and she's part of the church. Yeah, yeah. that's true, but you're leaving her out. I don't know, like, I guess you're right. The reason well, Bound Hero Battles are usually two, and the third one is usually just someone somewhat related to the characters and playing is somewhat related to them so that's true agree to disagree i guess <laughs> no but you're you are correct so agree that you are correct yeah uh but still i feel for flane um continuing to run is the year one through four uh, cyl hero fest banners that's four separate banners for each year of cyl that's choose your legend that goes until the ninth uh with re- with resonance colon shields that goes until the 10th, and Childhood Encounter goes until the 18th. Eddie, how did your summoning go this week? Well, I dove into the Sigurd Legendary banner, uh, trying to get him out of there. Uh, and I don't remember all the details in order of how they dropped, but it was quite a tough go. Um, although I did manage to get a couple Asbils. He's new to me on some of the rings that had no red. I did end up getting, I think it was like three or four Lulinas. And four or five Mirabiluses before Sigurd finally dropped for me. So, got some spare of the others. But uh, I did get no Brave units off of the Hero Fest banners. Because uh, they finally got all the tickets and hopped in there. Uh, but I did end up getting a Bernadetta and a Fallen Julia off them. And this morning, doing the free summons on the uh, the skill banner this morning i ended up getting a uh katarina four star upgrade nice so sounds like a really good haul um i i haven't done any summoning really of note uh nothing crazy to come off of the um the cyl banners with the tickets and stuff so i've, I've kind of been sitting holding on to my orbs uh the legendary sigurd banner it didn't even tempt me to jump in there uh for with what little i have about uh, about 100 orbs sitting there i'm I'm waiting basically for the next next thing which will likely be uh new heroes actually i haven't really looked at the calendar is it new heroes or is it yep we have new heroes starting sometime this coming week 
Uh, but before those new heroes come out, we do have a couple other things showing up. Uh, the calendar does end this week before we next record, uh, but we got some details before then. Uh, we have the Picnic Revival banner, Special Hero Revival banner, starting tomorrow. Uh, we also get a new set of Coliseum and Ordeals quests on the 6th. Uh, and that's a day before the next New Heroes banner comes out, um, uh, along with the Forging Bonds and Login bonus to go with it on the 7th. And the calendar ends on the 8th with the Grand Hero Battle for that banner. So, Good stuff. Some fun things on the horizon, including uh, a version update as well, which we are going to go over in just a little bit. But before that, we're going to talk about the new Legendary Banner and Legendary Hero. Sigurd and uh, this has become a new trend in the notes. Sigurd and quote unquote friends. We don't actually know if they're friends. We're just assuming everybody's friendly once they're summoned, uh, and they just range from surly to really happy to be around each other. That seems to be the uh, the way things roll. Um, Eddie, I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I've always felt like the heroes just have to get along when they're summoned, and some are cool with that, and some are just a little you know, uh, you know, grumpy about it. Sure. Sounds good. <laughs> you have never thought about this? Not really. Cause it's just weird. And it doesn't make much sense. Cause you know, it's just, you know, you got freaking villains after they've become villains here fighting yeah. for you. Why, why would they do that? You know, right. some of them give flimsy BS excuses. Oh, you're powerful now, but wait, one day I'll take over you. Watch your back or I'll cut you down. Mm. So what you're saying is, I'm confusing and I don't make sense. It sounds like that's what you're saying. That's how you want to interpret that? Feel free. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Oh, man. Always neutral. Okay, well, we will. Come, we, we probably won't come back to that unless we have to do like a topic deep dive on how these heroes feel about being around each other. Uh, you are right, though. A lot of the villains tend to be, you know, you're really strong now, but just you wait. Just you wait. Um mm -hmm. Anyways, I, I wasn't stalling, I promise. Um, the legendary banner running right now has, uh, on the red, orbs. You've got Sigurd, Faded Holy Knight, uh, the star of the show. Then you got Mirabilis, and then legendary Lalina. Uh, on the blue orb, you've got Saros, legendary Krom, and Selina Fleurspar. And then on the green orb, you've got Thrasheer, legendary Selica uh, Queen of Valencia, um, uh, Asbel, Windswept Youth. Then on the colorless, you've got Air, Duma, and Eleonora, Shooting Starlet. So that's what you're working with if you are summoning on the legendary banner. Yep, and as we mentioned last week, uh, Sigurd finally gets his time as a legendary hero. With Sigurd, Faded Holy Knight, he is the lord of the first half of Genealogy of the Holy War, and father of Seleth, and gets a red sword wind cavalry legendary unit with pair up on this banner. His weapon uh, that was revealed in the during the Fate Channel is the Hallowed Tearfane, which produces special trigger by one. And at the start of combat, if his foe has seventy five percent health or more, it grants him plus five to the four main combat stats, attack speed, defense, res, uh, and gives him a guaranteed follow up attack. On top of that, if he initiates combat or the foe attacks from a range of two, it reduces the damage from the foe's first attack by 40%. His legendary skill is the one shown in 
the Fade channel that we discussed a little bit last week. It's the Holy Knight Aura, and it is a special kill skill that has a persistent effect, granting him plus one movement at all time, pretty much at all times. I um, mean, he pretty much has four movements instead of three at almost all times, which uh, does not stack. And if similar buffs apply are applied, only the highest one counts. Not only does it have that persistent effect, but when it triggers, it does boost his damage by 25% of his attack. And uh, after that combat, it grants him and his allies attack plus six for one turn and a boost one to movement. Uh, same rules apply for the as for the persistent effect. Uh, and that is for that turn only. And with that uh, special skill having a cooldown of only two turns, it's probably going to trigger fairly often. Or two attacks. Probably going to be able to trigger fairly often, which is nice. Uh, he also comes with the new Tier 4 Catch skill. Uh, this one's Attack Defense scat, Catch. Uh, at, at, tier four, at Tier 4, Attack Defense Catch 4, it gives him plus 7 to his attack and defense during combat. Uh, if at the start of the turn, the foe's has full health or a penalty is active on the foe. I have both conditions. They have both full health and a penalty active on them. At the start of turn, it gives an additional plus two to attack and defense during combat. Uh, he also comes with the Crusader's Ward skill that his normal version has, as well as Fatal Smoke. Oof. So he has quite the quite the kit there, and uh, it was nice to see the confirmation. We were kind of speculating last episode about aura and is this a new sort of and i'll admit i haven't fiddled with it a ton and gotten that skill activated so i haven't 100 percent confirmed it but you know just the way it's written and the way it seems to work is that seems to be how it works and yeah it makes sense that the aura thing is what causes to always have have something going on type thing yeah a word in there so i wonder if this has a seeing like a steady release of aura characters is this something to look forward to from i'm guessing legendary and mythic heroes i don't think auras make it below that because it's such a oh maybe like a lesser aura like something not quite as powerful as an uh you know moving an extra space maybe but that also might be something from genealogy i would have to ask in discord ask opera or nero uh, get their confirmation if auras were a special ability that certain units had in, you know, kind of like hero skills nowadays, if they have those in there. Yeah, you know. that makes sense. It could so. it could be something from, from the game. I mean, I'll say this about his art. Uh, they've really taken the aura to heart and, and have given him floaty bits uh, hanging around him. So you, you could say that's the aura, or it's just you know the fancy way they like to do heroic or legendary heroes. Is it? There's other legendary heroes that don't have aura things that have fancy bits floating around them, or special heroes fancy bits floating around them. This feels yeah. this feels more apparent to me, but I, I you're right. Other, Maybe. it just it, it very much looks like he's glowing, and which is great. He looks great, so. He's a faded holy knight. Faded holy knights are bound to glow. It's true. But yes, it could be his aura as well. And I think but. it was uh, in the Fey Channel. We might have talked about this last week, but in the Fey Channel, the way Fey was announcing Sigurd, it kind of sounded like. And again, I haven't summoned him. I haven't seen his dialogue. But it kind of sounded like this was the Sigurd as if he hadn't died in his game and he had lived on past the point where he was cut down. Did, did you recall that in um, his dialogue? 
generally legendary heroes are um you know heroes at their most powerful uh, and if i recall correctly you more or less defeat you know succeed and once again this is something we'd have to ask opera or nero in discord to confirm but you kind of like succeed and then in between chapters where the time gap happens at some point sigurd gets betrayed and killed you know you successfully stop or strong severely delay the bad guys and then you get betrayed and killed so kind of this view this as after he had successfully stopped the current threat and before he got betrayed type situation mm. interesting and yeah looking at his art again you are right it is kind of a lot like he is glowing so that could be his aura it's a little more of a glow than most heroes would have even with all their random special stuff around he looks good he's rocking that legendary yep. look so can't argue with that but he is going to be coming back in a couple months. Uh, the returns are a little more compact this um, month, not going out until next year. Uh, just going for a couple, a few, mo- a handful of months. Uh, we got Sigurd, Liliana, Saros, and Air returning in July. Thrasir is going to be coming back in August. September has Krom and Selica returning, with October bringing back Mirabellis and Duma. So, as opposed to last month where there were. Big gaps in between hero returns. These ones are all a little more compact and confirms that, you know, even with the weird stuff happening last month, they are definitely keeping up legendary mythics every month it's for the stuff. foreseeable future. Yeah. Looking forward to the return of uh, Sigurd and Co. As we move into the many months to come July, August, September, October. Uh, looking at, uh, we did mention we're going to have a version update coming on May 6th. Uh, and that is version 5.5. We've got more details um, in, for that update, including you know the normal housekeeping, which we will go through. But start things off with the fact that there'll be scheduled maintenance for the game on May 6th before the version update. Uh, I actually don't. I imagine the version update will hit during this downtime, and then and then you'll see the the changes go live. But the scheduled maintenance is actually scheduled from midnight to 3 a.m on uh the 6th which i believe is like outside the normal schedule maintenance we usually get for some reason i'm recalling like 7 p.m to 11 p.m was sort of the normal time which seems more reasonable to have people working at that time (laughs) maybe but it always felt the um and this is actually midnight to 3 a.m on the 7th that'll be happening because this is uh may 6 11 p.m or no utc so that's not right yeah, um, I don't. I might have got the date eight, wrong. So three to six a.m. I think from reset for three hours. Oh, did I do that wrong? Oh, you know what? I uh, put in four, four and seven a.m. on the May sixth. So. Oh well, I apologize. I I did. It's funny. I did put the UTC to Eastern Standard Time, and I I must have screwed that up. But either way, there will be maintenance around that time. Um, UTC always screws me up. So. Check your local listings <laughs> to, to know. Yeah, it'll happen sometime on the 6th or 7th. I can't. It's just, I'm having trouble remembering what's what. Oh. I think we're minus 4 or 5, so maybe it's 3 to or at 7. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. It's Yeah. It, it, it's coming sometime this week. Maintenance. There'll be a point where you can't access the game, and once it's done, the update will be there. Yeah. So. 
Um, alongside this less confusing, uh, moving on from here, my summoner changes and the legendary hero remixes that we detailed last episode are coming with this update still. We got more details on the reserve uh, barracks and how they work. Uh, so I'm just going to pull that up here because this was interesting. This was something we were talking a lot about. We weren't really sure how it was going to work, but it seems pretty generous. As I figured that you, as I figured, you can't um, put people in reserve barracks on teams. Um, it anyone sent to the barracks will unequip their accessories, sacred seals, and para partners. Uh, they'll also lose any summoner support. Uh, you know, the wording apparently is unclear if it's permanent or temporary. Uh, just while they're in there. But, you know, kind of what I figured, it's um, some they, they figured out a way to condense the data, kind of similar to the way combat manuals work, where they take just the base data. Oh, this is a three to four star version of this character. Uh, so any fancy stuff you've done to it when you, I mean, I guess might be exactly the same as a combat manual. Just they found a way to figure out a way to allow you to bring it back to normal. But, you know, where it just records what skills are there. I think with combat manuals, you lose any skills you may have inherited to the unit as well if you turn them into a combat manual. Yeah, I, I think it turns it to its base sort of understanding. So this of is hero. a little more advanced in that it keeps any skills you've given them, um, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and, and it is going to basically, as we said, give you a story. You can store a total of 1,000 heroes, uh, 10 reserve barracks, each with a capacity of 100 heroes. No word on... no. I, I'm guessing this is just going to be available to you, because I think at this point we would have known if it was going to cost you anything to activate these barracks. Yeah, the way they worded it, and yeah, just the way uh, everything is set up, it feels like it is definitely just going to be there. Mm-hmm. It's available. Which is good. I think that's the right way to go about it. I, I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if they made us pay like an orb each to access, but I think at this stage it's like... Here you go. Now you don't have to. Wor- now you don't have to worry about you know going through the trouble of summoning and sending people or sending heroes home. It's one of those things where I think I think this is a good move. Uh, they do say you know the base versions of Alphonse, Serena, and Anna can't be sent to a reserve barrack, which kind of makes sense because you can only have one of them, and they're kind of story related. So exactly, I think it's pro- and it could be something to do with quests and stuff like that where they. They kind of need them around uh, to do that sort of thing. So good details yeah. there. Um, we've got uh, Pawns of Loki and Ether Raid changes. Uh, the Pawns of Loki stuff uh, is you can save skills equipped by heroes will no longer trigger. Uh, the number of turns for each tier will be reduced to by nine. Enemies. Not enemies. Sorry. <laughs> save skills equipped by enemies will no longer trigger. Um the number of turns for each tier will be reduced to nine. The score needed to obtain rewards will be adjusted to compensate. So I think right now it's 11 turns. So bringing it down to nine probably will help speed up that mode. I know, Eddie, you probably... You haven't checked out Ponzaloki, have you? Nope. Yeah, so at 11 turns, it, it does get a little long. So then reducing it to nine is, is a little more... I, I think that's a good move. That should help, I think. Uh, it was... It's not a game breaker, but I think this will certainly speed things up a little bit. Um, the base score for the advanced tier will be increased by 100. So that's uh, that's good. And yeah. So 
Also, they did add a bit of a minor update. Uh, it's something that probably doesn't affect many people, uh, but the way like purchasing orbs and stuff like Fate Pass worked in the past uh, would only work for the device you bought it on. So if you were playing on both iOS and Android or something, and you purchase Fate Pass on your uh, iOS device, you couldn't access it on the Android, but they're updating it so you actually can get the benefit, other benefits now. I'm guessing orbs will probably still the same where they're locked to where you purchase them. I wonder how they're going to do this because this there's a there's a big trial going on right now um, between uh, Epic and Apple and it's like App Store stuff and um, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty details. But I think when you look at this salute this thing here, like the Fay Pass, you buy it, it saves to your Nintendo account, and then you can access it on your iOS or Android device. However, like, you know, Apple or Google are getting a cut of that subscription depending on where you subscribe. So, I mean, I don't know if Apple or Android have like a ruling on shared subscriptions between platforms in the sense that it's just like a data flag or something. Yeah, I don't see how this would really affect Apple or Android, you know. Uh, I think it's just a background thing because of the Nintendo account, so you can access the same game on multiple things. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just they either didn't figure it out or didn't take the time to set that up, or maybe there was something from one of the stores that was fighting them about it. But I mean, really, it's kind of just a switch that on the account says Fay Pass is active. So after the initial purchase, there's not really anything, you know, that's that big a deal. Um, I guess there's like the summoner support thing and the restart and those features just will now be accessible on the other one without having to pay an additional 10 bucks, Mm. you know, but like the uh, resplendent outfits, they were always accessible no matter what device you were on. I can see this being a really good change because, you know, I'm an, I'm an Apple iOS person. So I've got uh, an Apple phone and I've got a uh, Apple tablet but I can see some people maybe having like an Android phone and an iPad and wanting to sort of jump back and forth. So this is a good move. And I think it's it's good that they've implemented it. And I think my confusion with the whole Apple Epic thing was basically um, Apple, Apple. So it wasn't Apple that cares. They just they just want you to use their in-app purchase uh software yeah. to process the purchase and i and nintendo's not getting around that they're they're just saying yeah and like with you know fortnite even before epic did their thing um i think because i think my understanding is that fortnite on the phone was pretty much the same as on the pc if you purchased on the pc you could still access it on your phone so it was already kind of stuff like that's already there it's just that for whatever reason, Nintendo or Fay had not set that up pro- fully and properly. Where the where there has been some issues of subscriptions not sort of going across platform, and it, this is never going to affect uh, you know Fire Emblem Heroes. But an example of where it would is uh, Genshin Impact, which is another mobile uh, free to play game. If you purchase a, if your account is separate from your PlayStation account, you can't play cross platform between iOS, PC, and PlayStation. PlayStation's on its own. And Among Us, now that they've added in accounts to their game, has the same issue, so maybe there's something more in the background that we don't really know about, not being developers. 
But like yeah. Among Us, they don't charge for their accounts. But if you set up an account on PC and then play on your phone, even though it's accessing the same game, you can't have the same account on both devices. And you know, details and bands of those accounts, or you know, features of those accounts, don't pass between. So, mm-hmm. well, this is uh, this is a good move, and hopefully, it works out. I'm sure it'll be it'll be just fine for all Android and iOS users. So, if you are uh, someone who accesses the game on um, and has devices across both platforms. This is good news for you. And uh, yeah, especially if you're a FayPass subscriber. Good move. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside these, we have our standard version update changes, including the combat manuals, uh, which is Ephemera 5. For the 5-star, you've got Bride, Sigrun, and Ishtar. For 4-star, you have Selina, Hana, Soth, Nana, and Nana, and Lena. Uh, we always got we always got people writing in about the way I said it because I have a Nana, okay. So I say Nana, but I guess it's Nana. I don't know. Okay. I, if you I, say I could, so. I could be I completely always, wrong. I always say it Nana in my head because yeah, that I mean it's not spelled the same way as I spelled Nana when I was young for my Nana when I had her, but you know. So and it also you think banana. That's the last end of banana, so... It's true. It's very I true. I guess there's an extra end in there still as well, but still. It, there, still a banana, you know. Or Anna with an end thrown in the front of it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good <laughs> but, point. Uh, but over in the weapon refiner, we got a bit of a theme going on with a bunch of distant counter weapons getting some refines. Uh, Ike and Legendary Ike's Ragnells are getting refinements. Alondite uh, for the Black Knight and Zelgius are getting refinements. Ryoma and Legendary Ryoma are getting refinements to Reginto. Uh, Xander is getting a Siegfried revi- refinement. Uh, and who knows, maybe he'll eventually get a Legendary Xander, but that doesn't seem to be anywhere in the offshoots. And Fallen Harden and Camus are getting a Gradivus refinement. Nice. Well, there you go. Uh, and alongside those uh, weapon refineries, you've also got the Heroic Grails update. You've got Solon, Church Shadow coming along with Sele, Vernal Sage. So if you miss those uh, Grand Hero um, uh, Grand Hero battles or Tempest Trials units, you can run over and grab them. Actually, thinking about it, I might have skipped on Solon, not paid attention and not gotten them in time. I'll yeah. have to check that. I can't even... Now that you mention it, I think I'm in I'm in the same boat. So I might have to go. Uh, sometimes I forget, and usually it's the Grand Hero battles because I'm not big on the villains. So yeah, for me it's not a case of big on the villains or not. It's like oh, I need to do that. I don't have time right now. I got to remember to come back later, and I come back later and it's swapped. <laughs> yeah, and they don't remind you like other things. Uh, they don't pop it up for you. Yeah, just usual stuff on top of the reserves and the other fancy things. Looking forward to version uh, 5.5 when it launches on May 6th, so get ready to update your client. But while you wait, let's head over to the Outrealm gate because we have more Game Club to talk about. That's right, Three Houses Fun continues, and we are talking about Chapter 11 tonight. Quickly moving towards Part 2 of the game when we're going to be checking out Verdant Winds. But right now we're still in White Clouds, the Claude route, and Eddie's going to break down Chapter 11, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, in Chapter 11, the Throne of Knowledge, uh, after the events of Chapter 10, Rhea doesn't fully comprehend the situation, and why should she? 
and decides you need to immediately go to the holy tomb to receive a revelation from the goddess who you know based on last chapter is not going to speak anymore since she's merged with you completely uh so a month later you head down to the tomb and claude has figured out the pointlessness of the task in your opening chapter or opening mission discussion because uh, he points out, you know, if the goddess was already talking to you and is, you know, giving her powers to you, what what is going to happen? She's, you know, type thing. Uh, understanding from what you discuss is that the chances of Sothis talking with you again are slim to none. Upon arriving, Rhea has Byleth sit on the throne and nothing happens. While Rhea is confused, the Flame Emperor, Matodi, and the Imperial Army invade the tomb. Uh, they are focused on stealing the crest stones of those buried in the tomb. So while you are fighting them, you need to try and either kill them before they swipe the stones or defeat them after they get the, uh, afterwards in order to get the stones back before they uh, try to escape. Uh, you get a reward based on how many stones you manage to protect. Upon defeating the Flame Emperor, it is revealed that it is Edelgard, uh, which somehow catches Claude by surprise. Uh, Edelgard and Hubert escape with Rhea threatening to raise an army to destroy her, and Claude states that he has questions for both Edelgard and Rhea. Uh, and then we cut to a scene where Edelgard declares war against the church, and Sedith discusses that with you. And then we head on to the next chapter. Yeah, this is a big moment. Uh, this being my second, first, second playthrough. First, second? That's weird. It's my second playthrough of Three Houses. And uh, you don't really get another shot at your second playthrough. <laughs> well, but anyways, semantics. Um, talking about Edelgard declaring war on the church, it's really interesting to see the other side of that because the first playthrough I did was was Edelgard uh, declaring war on the church from from her side, and from from your side, it's interesting playing um, Black Eagles first, and then coming over to to the other side and being like. The way Edelgard makes that speech, I could I could see if this was your first playthrough, you'd be like, "Ooh, she's evil." But having played it from the other side, you kind of you kind of hear what she's saying. It's like, "Yeah, maybe declaring war on sort of everybody isn't a fun way to go." But like, she's not wrong because like the church has really set up this, and there's a lot of questioning going on. Like, oh, the we used to be united and then the church came along and all of a sudden there was, they split the empire into a kingdom and then the kingdom into an alliance. Uh, they kept everybody weak enough so that the church was technically stronger. Hmm. It seems a little like maybe the church is, is on the, in the wrong here, you know? And what Edelgard was saying, I think like, you're kind of like, okay, like I don't really like the idea of all of us going to war. Um, but she's she she may have a, a point but at this point we haven't seen the church do anything super crazy evil i guess they have like shut down a couple couple of rebellions that was a bit harsh but i don't know it's fire emblem world like rebellions happen and you 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 put them down by uh by by taking them out right like that's that seems like second nature in these types of games but what what do you think about this um I mean, I think you seem to be enjoying the Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> on which side? It feels like there's Kool-Aid going around. Edelgard's side. Okay. She has no. She has not researched or found any solid proof of her claims. She says that they are trying to keep everyone down, that they split up the things. When the way I... The way it looks to me is that, you know, the war was happening anyway. They were fighting themselves anyway, and the church 
was able to work out a compromise. Yes, it split up the countries, but they don't force the people living in them to fight each other. You know, in fact, they bring a they set up a academy where all three countries can send people to where they have chances to talk and get to know each other and realize that oh hey the people in Fargus aren't evil monsters you know they're they're just people like us so they you know give a place I guess they are kind of harsh with their you know what they view as going against the goddess and doing the wrong doing wrong in that way and stuff but you know yeah nothing anywhere near the way Edelgard is explaining it there it, it is true. Yeah, you're right. I will I will give you that point. I'm, I'm kind of sitting here... And, and I'm not saying that her arguments have no merit whatsoever, but, like, the really hard points like that, it's like, no, she, she got mistreated by evil people and people who have been bitter since centuries ago, you know, which I guess we don't really know that part yet, but, you know, the... Those who lurk in the shadow with Thallus and Solon and all and did evil things to her and she blames the church for it. Why she doesn't blame Thallus and them? No clue. You know? That's a Although good point. she doesn't like Thallus and them, but she blames the church for it. You know? She blames the crests for all the evils when, you know, it's not like the church actually created the crests and it's kind of the way the people treat the people with crests that needs to change, but it's not the church forcing it. True. That I feel you know because as you can see the officers academy has students who are not with without crests participating yeah the church does seem to you know back up this uh class system of nobles and and commoners right and i can see you know people have like edelgard's issue with that edelgard's issue with with crests but you know declaring war on the church may not be the the best approach and also she is declaring war to have everybody under the empire which is technically her run it's not like she's saying we're gonna do this and then we're gonna have a a democratic uh election no like she's emperor like that is a stat like she overthrew her father Mm -hmm. by politely asking him to leave the throne and um yeah so i guess you're replacing one tyrannical uh quote unquote i guess because of the the, i don't want people to think i'm drinking the kool-aid on edelgard because i know a lot of people like edelgard um yeah i mean like her goals are noble mm-hmm. her way of going about them and her blind hatred of the church not so much yeah you you're know. right blind hate is is sort of well put here because you do you do feel that but there are these moments that kind of spark up i remember in, in black eagles you saw it like you know Rhea getting visibly angry and you get that oh, in this chapter too. I'm not saying Rhea's perfect. I mean, no. you see, you see her reaction to, you know, just Edelgard and the Flame Emperor showing there and finding out that it's Edelgard. Her reaction to that is way over the top. So yeah, and you know what what she did, you know, her the whole experiment that created Byleth is definitely questionable. So the Church is not a you know paragon of virtue for by any means. Could yeah. you say we're maybe playing again? We have not finished uh, this Claude route, but I wonder if uh, Claude and and uh, the Alliance are really the truly the only good guys in this game. Um, I haven't played Blue Lions either, so I I don't know for sure. But I mean, that's kind of an argument you'd probably have to look at after you've played through all routes. Sure, you know, to some degree. 
And like I said, you know, it's not like, you know, their goals are bad per se, but their way of going about them. Maybe no one's good. That's the lesson. It, it's hard to say because I'm not sure I'd say uh, Dimitri and Blue Lions are bad per se. Dimitri has issues, and but once he conquers those issues, he's actually seems like he would be a pretty decent king once he's finally conquered those issues and has, you know, so. Yeah. Another point I wanted to point, uh, sort of bring up was, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but how many people have read a dead man's diary? Like, uh, kind of co- pops up again. I think it's, was it, uh, well, you, you let Claude read it. So yeah. Claude having read it and said it definitely seems to type the nose around in the papers and stuff. So it's not surprising <laughs> that he dug through the diary if he found it. I mean, why you left it there for him to find, I have no clue. You're not very good at hiding. That was something I never understood is, oh, you found your father's diary. Why are you putting it back? I'm just going to put it right this back is your here. your father's private diary. Exactly. So by logic, it should be yours. So why aren't you just keeping it? It is odd. Yeah. Uh, there are no such things as safes in three houses, or at least miniature safes yeah. like you find in but a little hotel. Logically, it would be a lot safer in your own room where you might be able to hide it somewhere where maybe Seth doesn't find it. I think Alois reads it as well, which was what made me want to put it uh, put it in my side notes here. Cause, uh, okay, I don't remember Alois having read it, but maybe. You recruited him in this chapter. So, yes. being, you know, I recruited him in the chapter, and he's, like, literally reading the diary, reminiscing. And, and again, it's he's in Gerald's old room. Maybe he was reading the diary. I couldn't remember if he was reading the diary. But once again, you know, Alois was close to Gerald. So him and, you know... <laughs> Him spending time in there, him reading the diary is, well, that's questionable about his behavior, but, you know, that once again goes back to the, why the hell did you leave it in there? True. After finding it. I I guess, like, I'm I'm less questioning Byleth and more questioning these people's character of, like, just reading a diary, because, like, (laughs) I have a lot of people close to me. I don't know if I'd want that. Like, here's my... Well, I guess if I'm dead, it wouldn't matter. I wouldn't really care. (laughs) But, uh... It's one of those things where it just it it stood out to me, but um, maybe in the you know that time period when when you had like the way the time period they're emulating, I should say, because this isn't set in the real world. Um, leaving behind a diary is kind of like an autobiography. Like this is my life, and kind hey, of I'm, is, but know. you know, I kind of feel like you know, if there's things you don't want people to know about this byleth, once you find it, you should have hidden it or <laughs> taken it with you. Yeah, you know, note so to my son or daughter. Byleth doesn't care if they find out about the secrets of their past or, you know, there's some wire not connecting properly in her brain still. Or his know. brain still. Well, um, other than that, uh, for me, in terms of recruits, I, I kind of gave in because knowing what part two will entail, uh, I boosted some supports on characters I had in my previous playthrough that I was kind of leaving behind. Uh, basically, characters I didn't care for. But I boosted uh, Sylvain, Linhart, and Kaspar, and I uh, was able to recruit all three of them. Technically, we have one more month where we can recruit, so Chapter 12 will be able to recruit. I still have some stragglers that I might focus on, but honestly, if 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 I'm looking at them now and they're not in my house, I, <laughs> there's a reason mm-hmm. for it. It's because I did not like them. So, um, Yeah. Uh, for me, I recruited Alois because you could finally recruit him this chapter. Uh, which also leads to having done that last final uh, paralogue that's been sitting around there for a number of months, uh, because I wanted him recruited before we 
I hopped into it. Um, alas, in this chapter, you could not recruit Seth yet. I still hopped in and did his uh, his in Flames paralog since it goes away at the end of the month. Uh, could have left uh, Cyril and Hilda's one, but saw no reason not to. So cleared out my paralogs there. Good stuff. And yeah, the one you're talking about uh, that we have not chatted about yet was Sword and Shield of Saros. The Alliance has requested aid from the monastery, but the Knights of Saros are low on personnel. Alois and Shamir decide that the students will have to suffice, once again bringing kids into uh, a battle that the Knights should be at. But hey, the Knights are constantly busy. You ever notice that? Like, the oh, the Knights, we're off on this well, mission. You know, the Knights apparently go to all three countries. So, you know, it's a kind of like if Washington, D.C. was expected to police Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia all at once. True. They probably end up being pretty short on people to send to those three. Yeah. The knights yeah. are off on a coffee run, so you guys are going to have to go do this dangerous mission. Hey, maybe? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um. Okay, well, uh, we'll salvage here. Well, seeing as we're referring, treating them as cops here in the to a degree, they're off on a donut run, not a coffee run. <laughs> Good one. Uh, man, donuts are donuts are kind of donuts can be look i'm gonna say something here off topic but you brought it up you brought up donuts donuts are gross if you buy the cheap ones right a lot of people say you can't screw up a donut but if you've had a good donut then there are bad donuts that's all i've got to say on that topic i don't know if you agree on my donut thoughts anything can be you know even though people claim there's no such thing as bad this or bad that you can screw up anything you yeah oh you, you can you, get like you really can find bad a stuff. way but pizza there's really really good pizza but then like the not so great pizza is still good pizza um yep. you know it's really really good pizza like uh hawaiian pizza then there's really bad pizza like putting anchovies or olives on it yeah i guess i never really thought of like ruining a pizza with ingredients but I guess I'm more just like... I'm just... I mean, I'm a fan of Hawaiian myself, and I know that uh, pineapple on pizza is a big hot-button topic for many people, so I was just stirring the pot a little there. No, you know what? When it comes to Hawaii, Like, when it comes to pineapple on pizza, I I've been, I was changed. Like, I used to be like, ugh, Hawaiian pizza. And it's big here in Canada, Hawaiian pizza, funny enough. Um, I don't know why, but it is. But... If you are not a fan of Hawaiian, or sorry, if you're not a fan of pineapple on pizza, you need to try this recipe. Um, it was introduced to me, or not recipe, but combo of ingredients. It was introduced to me by my co-host on the Gamers Inn, Jocelyn, and it's uh, it's pepperoni, pineapple, and feta cheese on your pizza, and it will change your opinion on pineapple on pizza. It although it may not uh, if you're very strong about it, but I think if you or against pineapple on pizza, and you have not tried that combo, give it a shot. It's like the combination of the salty sweet, and it just, it works. So try it out. Um, we were talking about a paralog, though, and we went on a dive there uh, from donuts to pizza to <laughs> to pineapples. Just a bit of a sidetrack, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? This has been sitting here a while, so you and I pr- pretty much have the text memorized at this point. Um, but we'll uh, we'll wrap this up here. What appears to be a defend the area map, the victory conditions do require you to take out all enemies. However, however, if the enemy is in the town area for five turns, you lose. 
Pretty straightforward map in the end. They thank you for your help, and everyone goes home happy. So yep. this one's pretty simple. Like, uh, And I I kind of like the defend the point missions. There's not many of them. And when there are like the defend the points, you you kind of are like, nah, you still got to go out and kill everybody, which is not as fun strategically. I kind of like the turtle and wait missions, mm. but we, there's not many of them, so... Yeah, this one's a tricky one. If um, I don't know if you lose reward if you if any of the enemies get in even for one turn, but uh, you got flyers out there who are going to try and sneak in on you if yeah. you don't head out and pester them. So yeah, it's pretty aggressive in my playthrough. So I just kind of like steamrolled in and, and took out the the flyers. But... Oh yeah, I was aggressive too because by the time you get there, everyone's like half your level, yeah. if not lower. Heck, I just recruited Alois, and he was well over-leveled for this map, you know, at this point. Because you got this back early on. It was like, if not the first, one of the first uh, paralogs you could get. But you couldn't recruit uh, Alois until now. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, you you uh, you have you have Alois quite late. I think it's it's a it's a fine mission. I find a lot of these paralogs have been playing out of place, so it's been. A good opportunity to level up some lower uh, leveled characters for me next week we'll be winding down part one with chapter 12 of white clouds the one where apparently it takes you two weeks to get out of the holy mausoleum two weeks oh, i've dipped into it and you start on the 15th of the month <laughs> oh okay hey man those stairs so, it's they're a doozy you take the elevator yeah. down but they don't mention you have to take the stairs back up Oof. That's a good point. No, I have not started part two or uh, chapter 12 yet, but I am looking forward to it because we are at a point where this is brand new content because at this stage of where I played in my first playthrough, Edelgard pieced the F out, you know? like So she mm-hmm. is she is not going back to that monastery uh, She's without weapons. She's the F out here as well. Uh, her and Hubert are not in the monastery at all anymore. Oh, oh that's a good point, yeah. Are the, all the black the, all the black eagles are still there though, right? Well, I recruited all of them, so all the ones I recruited are definitely still there. I don't know if the ones I didn't recruit would still be there. Chapter eleven might have been your last chance to recruit any black eagles. Well, I will report back next week because I'm pretty sure I left some of those bums hanging around. So uh, I'll uh, I'll make sure to make a note if any of them are hanging around. But uh, I'll let you guys know. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week with chapter 12. I look forward to that and wrapping up part one, as Eddie said. If you want to visit us on the web, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com slash fay. You can email the show. Let us know your thoughts on uh, pineapple on pizza. Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. Ever a controversial topic, you might as well bring it up in Discord. Check out the Fireman channel in the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can, if you're on Twitter, you can follow us there. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Dralfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers Inn for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning.